All right. Well, look around, and you'll notice uh, some more smaller faces in the room. Uh, today is the fifth Sunday of the month, which means it's family service. So kids, all you kids, real quick, look at me, because I want to tell you something. I love you being in here because you're part of the church now. You're not part of the church someday later when you grow up. You're, you're valuable right now. And guess what? God wants to speak to you. God wants you to worship now. So one of the things that we've started doing more of is at the end of each sermon time, some ideas of next steps. Well, guess what, kids? I want you to pay attention. You can color. Like, that's cool, too. Even my wife sometimes colors while she listens. But you can do that. But I want you to think about, right, as we're going to look at God's word, what might God be saying to you? Because you are valuable now. God loves you now. And God wants to use you now. In fact, you might have a greater influence on some people in your life, some other kids in school or down the street, than anybody else. And that's significant. So we are going to be in Philippians. Grab your Bible. Turn to Philippians. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. And it's going to be page one thousand. 85 or 4, somewhere around there. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for music. God, the, uh, the gift you have given some to write it, the gift you have given others to, to play it and to sing it, and that that is a, a way that we can worship. Even if we don't have a great voice or able to carry a tune, um, it's a way we can worship you. God, we love you. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to be here with us this morning. Um, teach us, encourage us. Love us in your name. Amen. Who do you look up to? Th think of somebody who in your life or not in your life, but is there somebody you want to emulate, somebody you want to be like and, and why? Or here's another one. Who might be looking up to you and wanting to emulate you and what are they learning? Right, we've got the kids in here. Parents, have you ever had that time where the, the five-year-old expresses a political opinion that they shouldn't be able to have yet? It's because they hear you, right? And they're emulating you or that 15-year-old that cracks a, a, a goofy joke and it's just like you. It is okay to emulate godly people. In fact, that's probably why Proverbs encourages us to gather with godly people because we tend to emulate those we're with, right? We start to share opinions, uh, pessimism, is very contagious, right? A negative attitude is contagious, but so is positivity. And so today we're going to be looking at Paul, and here's why. Philippians 4, we're going to be in Philippians 1, but I want to start by reading Philippians 4, 11 to 13, where Paul says this. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul, we're going to skip back to Philippians 1, but Paul is going to be our example. Right here, he is expressing joy and peace despite his circumstances. He is in prison while he's writing this. Could you say what he says here in verses 11 to 13 in chapter 4? I can go through all things, abundance or need, sickness, or I can do all thi anything. I can go through it glorifying God. Now, this is one of those, verse 13 is one of those scriptures that's been taken out of context a lot. You know, I love Tim Tebow, but you might remember he had this one written on his eyes. Some, totally out of context, right? This doesn't mean you can go win a football game. 
This means I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure anything because of God. I can go through anything, specifically suffering, but also good things, right? Good times. I can go through it all. Could you say that, right? Are peace and joy possible for you right now and in every circumstance? In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at Paul and we're going to learn from his example. If you remember, this is a letter. Paul is writing a thank you letter to the Philippians because they had sent a care package, a gift to him through their, uh, their pastor, Epaphroditus. He traveled to their, probably Rome, maybe Ephesus where he's imprisoned. But they sent him a gift and he is writing back to them. And so there's a lot in Philippians that we learn from, not from what he's directly saying, but from his example, right? From how he's saying it. He's not giving a lot of commands yet, but we can learn from his example. So Philippians 1 we're going to look at verses 12 through 18 this morning. Paul writes, <clears throat> I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So, like I said before, this is a letter. And we looked at the greeting last week, his intro. Hey, y'all, here's, here's what's up. Now he's transitioning. Letters during that time had a, a typical pattern, kind of like, remember back when you used to write letters if you're over 30, um, and then you'd put a stamp on it? It started, dear mom, right? And then you'd go on. And then when email first started, we wrote like that for a little while. Dear, whatever, sincerely, blah. Now it's just, you know, a sentence without any greeting or whatever. They had a pattern there, and it was typically the intro, and then it was a, Here's about me. Let me tell you about my circumstance. And then, now let's talk about you. And he's going to do that. For two weeks, though, this week and next week, he's saying, now about me. And so this is somewhat interesting because they would want to hear about him, right? That he's in prison. They sent a care package to him. They want to hear back, how is Paul? They were concerned about it. And so that's what he's telling them. Here's how I am doing. But yet he doesn't talk a lot about how he's doing, oddly enough. Right? He doesn't say, you know, the cell's kind of cold, um, I have a good blanket, but the pillow's flat, um, I don't think the guard brushes his teeth. He doesn't give any of those details, right? Instead, he goes to really the heart of the matter, which I hope we can learn from, because again, he has peace and joy despite being in prison. We can learn from that. What circumstance are you in, or what's happening that is, is breaking your joy? What is causing you to, to not sleep at night? a lack of peace, whatever it is. What is it in your life? Again, Paul is in prison. He might die. He, he doesn't know what's going to happen. In fact, he probably didn't die at, in this imprisonment, but he would be in prison later, again in Rome, and in that one, he would be killed for the faith. And that could have happened this time. So that's his circumstance, and here's what he is saying. So first, let me ask this. What is the source of his joy? What is the source? Because when we see him as an example, what is the source of his joy? Look at verse 18, where he kind of sums it up. What then? Only that in every way, whether in 
pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. His joy is in the proclamation of the gospel. That's what it is. The source of Paul's joy is that Jesus is being proclaimed. Right? The good news that Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, life is found only in him. That gives Paul joy. That makes sense. Right? This is the greatest news the, the earth has ever heard. That God took on flesh, became a man because he loves us. Right? He created all things, doesn't need us, but, but wants us, wants to share himself with us. He came bodily, died, rose from the dead so we could be forgiven. That's really good news. That is what gives Paul joy. That that news is being spread. That Christ is being shared. So in verse 12, he begins that way, right? I want you to know. Now we're going to talk about me, not my circumstances, but what's happening. And here's what's happening. Verse 13. It has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Paul's circumstance, again, he's in prison. Now, there's been a lot of speculation of what this looks like. We don't know exactly. Maybe, maybe he was chained to a prison, a guard. That was a typical way it might be done. Uh, he was possibly under house arrest. We don't know exactly. But the, he was guarded, for sure, and they rotated. So imagine being chained to Paul, right? What's he going to do? He's going to tell you about Jesus, and you can't go anywhere, <laughs> right? And then that guard's going to move on. The next one's going to come in, and he's going to get an earful also. The word spread so that all the imperial guard, all those in the emperor's service, knew that Paul was in prison for Christ. They heard the good news. Whether they believed it or not, they heard it. That brought Paul joy. Here's kind of one of those points that we just see in there. His circumstance, he decided, I'm here, I'm going to use it. Right? What about your circumstance? The one that you're suffering through, could it be God has an opportunity for you right there in that circumstance? There's somebody in, in this church that was sharing some years ago, but they were at the hospital for whatever it was, a procedure or something, in the and sitting in the waiting room. Well, guess what? If you're in the waiting room in a hospital, everybody else in that waiting room is there for a reason. You know? And so they, okay, look around, ended up praying with somebody <laughs> right there, whatever was happening in their life. That's just a good example of my circumstance God might want to use for his glory. So Paul is taking advantage of his suffering to share Jesus with a new audience, right? Paul would go around, travel, start in a synagogue, move on here. The Imperial Guard, they needed to hear the good news. Paul was not a normal prisoner. I think that's part of this too, right? He was not a normal prisoner. He was not in there, oh, woe is me, right? His attitude, just that, would spread. News of that would spread. If you remember, uh, the Philippian church began when Paul went to Philippi, was put in prison, was chained to the stocks, right? And in the middle of the night, midnight, he was singing, right, and praying and, and declaring out loud, Christ, earthquake happens, right? Their chains fall off. He was in prison there. So they saw Paul suffer well, and that's what he's doing here. He's suffering well, and it is spreading. And here's the other good news, verse 14. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So again, God is using his suffering right where he's at, but also others are encouraged. Others are seeing him suffer and going, I, I can do that too. Paul is going through this in a godly way. I can do that too. Again, it, the promise wasn't, oh, I can do this and be safe. Paul did it and was in prison and could be killed for it, later would be. So the promise isn't safety. The promise right here is it's okay, it's possible. And so that's why I began with this question, who do you look up to? And who looks up to you? 
If people see how you live, are they encouraged to be bold for Christ? Where you work, where you go to school, if, especially I think some of you in school. You go to school and you start being open about your following of Jesus. There might be other Christian kids that are like, wait a minute, we can do that? We, we can actually share with others about and, and they might step up. That's what's happening here. Others are being encouraged. Paul's faithfulness and suffering encourage other believers to be bold. Of course, I did like I did last week. I'm skipping through my notes. But, but so here's the next note, though. Does your confidence in the gospel encourage and embolden others? Now, not only are faithful Christians emboldened, but there's another group. I think this one's somewhat interesting. Some are preaching the word from rivalry, right? From, from dissension. We see these uh, in verse 16 or verse 17. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Who is this group, right? These folks are out preaching Jesus in order to cause Paul harm. Here's what's interesting. They're speaking the truth. Paul wouldn't rejoice in the teaching of falsehood. In Galatians 1.8, Paul writes this. It says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. So Paul is never in favor of preaching a false gospel, meaning these folks are out there preaching the truth, but from wrong motives. That's weird. A little bit, right? Can that happen today? Right? Conflict, jealousy, bitterness. And here Paul, now elsewhere, Paul will speak to people like this and say, hey, fix yourself, <laughs> right? Work on this. But that's not who he's speaking to. They're not his audience. And so he's not addressing their motives. He's addressing his, his brothers and sisters, right? We're, they're buds. Like, hey, this group is doing this. Who cares, <laughs> right? Great. Jesus is being proclaimed. What, who, who cares the motives? But Jesus is being proclaimed. I think this is kind of one of those sermon within a sermon moments, these things that we can see. How do you feel about other churches? Maybe churches you used to go to, used to be part of other believers, right? How do we, how do we feel? How do we think about that? Uh, if you've lived here long, you might know our area does not have a great history of unity between churches. Let me tell you something really awesome. I think that's changing. In fact, I know that's changing. I met with some pastors recently, and we were talking about this thing right here. I said, yeah, you know, your church sued your church years ago for the church name. They're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. But those things have been part of this community, but that's changing. But I think that's right here. And I've heard a lot of this jealousy. Oh, they're growing, and we're jealous about it. Or our church is better for whatever. That's what's happening here. Right? They were jealous of Paul. They wanted people to follow them. Again, wrong motives, which can happen. And I think the lesson for us is, is kind of twofold. One, let's not be part of that. But then two, we can rejoice in Christ being proclaimed elsewhere. You know, one of our values here is we say kingdom over castle. Meaning as a church, if we have a decision to make that's going to be better for God's kingdom, but worse for us as a church, we're going to choose what's best for the kingdom. Because that's more important. And so that's kind of one of those right here. We can celebrate what God is doing. Even if we're not in full agreement on all the secondary issues or whatever it is, we can celebrate what God is doing. And that's what Paul is doing here, right? And he's encouraging fellow believers, don't be distraught by this. Who cares? Whatever. Christ is being proclaimed. So we should celebrate the accurate preaching of the gospel, whatever the source, 
and avoid jealousy and petty quarrels between churches and believers. So, again, what's the source of Paul's joy? The proclamation of the gospel. Now, he does say it's advancing, but his joy really is in that it's being preached. Not that it, the church is growing necessarily, right? Not that there's a lot of converts, but that it's going out. Because our job isn't to create converts. I don't know if you knew that. Our job is not to make people believe. Our job, our responsibility, our joy is to share the good news, and God handles the rest, right? But we speak it out. And so Paul and we can be joyful in just that, that it's being proclaimed. So there's the source of his joy. What's the source of his peace? This is kind of cool, too. As you look here, Paul is in prison. And I think this, at least for me, this was one of the biggest points that you see in here. Because Paul is in this portion of the letter. He's like, here's about me. He's in prison, right? Things are not good for him. But he is positive. He is joyful. He is loving them. What is the source of his peace? It's not his circumstance. Peace comes from knowing that human circumstances lie in God's hands and that God uses them to advance the gospel. That's what he's saying here, right? I'm in prison. God is using it, right? I'm in prison. God is using my imprisonment outside. Whatever the circumstance, God is in control. That's what we see here. God allowed this. Now, God doesn't cause suffering, right? He doesn't cause sin. Let's say it that way, right? And so suffering, this has been taken incorrectly, I think, through history, that suffering is a good thing in and of itself. Um, and some Christians then have, have gone out to suffer on purpose. Some have gone to the extent of even you know, hurting themselves because suffering in and of itself has some value. No, suffering is not good. In fact, Christians are called to relieve the suffering for others as much as possible. Um, we're to pray that things will go well. We're, we're to pray for peace. But God will use the suffering for his purposes. And so that's the point. What's the circumstance you're in? Do you lack peace? Could it be that you don't trust God has it all? Right? Maybe you even caused it. This for me is one of the hard, okay, here's my circumstance, and it's my fault. <laughs> right? I did something wrong. I sinned. I, whatever it is, I caused this. God still loves you. <laughs> right? And in the, is there something to repent of? Great, repent of it. Is there something to confess? Great, confess it. And then trust God has it, right? God doesn't expect us to be perfect, but God, you know, Jesus promises to go with us our entire lives so we can trust him, right? That's what faith is. I met with a young man the other day for breakfast, and he was talking about just this. He said, what is, what is faith? So well, that's a really good question. Let's look at Hebrews, right? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But what is faith? Faith isn't knowing everything, but it's also not blind faith. So our faith is based on scripture, on who God is, and there's a couple things, right? We know that God is all-powerful. We know he has all the ability to do everything. We also know he loves us, right? So he is good, he loves us, he is all-powerful, and he's all-wise. So he knows what's best, he cares about what's best, and he has the power to do what's best. So what are you worried about? Right? I mean, that's oversimplified a little bit. There are things that we stress... But when we understand God has it, we can trust him completely. And that's what Paul is doing here. Here's my circumstance. I rejoice because God is using it. Now, if you're anything like me, a lot of times we get stuck in our circumstance and we just look in the mirror. And God doesn't use it because we're focused on ourselves, right? We're focused on our Twitter or our Facebook or whatever it is, right? But our society is very self-focused, but also people have always been self-focused. Here, we're looking 
out and we can have peace because it's based on who God is. And this suffering you see here is actually normal for the believer. You know, Paul is sharing his circumstance, which they share in as well, right? The Philippians are suffering as well. And so they're seeing him, which is encouraging them how to go through this suffering. Again, peace comes from knowing human circumstances lie in God's hands and that God uses them to advance the gospel. You know, I began with that, that question, who is looking at you, right? Think about this. What if, what if you were open, what if we were all open and bold, like Paul is, and these Philippians are being encouraged to be, what if we were open and bold, right? And, and no matter our circumstances, we had this peace and joy that was seen. What might God do in our families, in our schools, in our communities, right? And, and what if that just continued to spread? That's our mission. That's what we're looking forward to. So as we wrap up here, you know, we began like we have been recently. There's next steps, right? What might God be saying to you? And kids, again, give me your eyes real quick. Kids, what might God be saying to you? Because guess what? I know you guys can sometimes stress, right? You guys have things that you worry about. You guys have life circumstances. Mom and dad aren't always perfect, right? I mean, you can raise your hand if your, your parents are perfect. Um, oh, my kids didn't raise their hand, right? You have circumstances too. Guess what? God is in control of your circumstances. So what are our next steps? And again, we've encouraged you, you know, if you scanned that thing, right? Oh, there it is. You can scan that. We want to know what your next steps are for a couple of reasons. One, it encourages us, right, that we know God is working in you. But also, it may be an opportunity for us to pray for you or to come alongside you in some way. But here are some of those next steps, right? One, write my testimony including the details of the gospel, share it with somebody, right? That's a pretty direct next step. Have you ever written down your testimony, how you came to know Jesus Christ as Lord, what God has done in your life, right? And do you know it? Is it short enough you can share with somebody? And if you choose that next step, please email it to the church. We'd love to read that also, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's one next step. Another one, I will confess my trust in God's goodness, wisdom, and power during a hard time. I will share with a trusted believer who can support me. Again, this is kind of that idea. What is your circumstance? Decide right now you're going to trust God with that and then share that with somebody, right? We've titled this series through Philippians. Um, not there. <laughs> we, we've titled this a place to belong and make a difference because that's what the church is, right? It's a place where we can belong, meaning we, we do this together. That's why groups are so important. We can share our struggles and receive encouragement. And then finally... I will reach out to someone I know needs encouragement this week, right? Do you know somebody else going through a hard time? Maybe you're the one God wants to use to give some encouragement. Maybe you're the one who can be the Paul in this situation and encourage them. Now, again, you don't have to pick one of those if one of those sticks out to you. But if there's something else, what is it, right? What does God want you to do? Because God is in the business of changing our hearts, of changing our minds to draw us closer to him. And so whatever that is for you, maybe you're here and you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. That, that's definitely your next step, <laughs> right? Maybe you have to today confess, I believe Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and I want him to be Lord of my life. And if that's you today, I'm going to be in the back during our next songs. I would love to talk to you, pray with you, uh, help you through that. But as we move on, let's worship. Father in heaven, uh, again, I, I do thank you for your word. Um, I thank you for this truth 
that we can have joy despite circumstances. We can have peace, and it's not, it's not because hard times aren't hard. Um, it's not a, a grin and bear it and pretend things are good when, when they're not, but it's a, a true looking to you and trusting you even when things are hard. So God, I, I pray right now, in this room, I know there are people suffering. God, I know there are people in here being persecuted for whatever reason, some because of their faith, uh, some have caused the situation they're in. I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would give them peace, you would give them encouragement, and you would give them the wisdom uh, in their next steps, whatever that might be. God, I also pray for the heart in here that you're stirring toward you for the first time. God, give them the courage and the boldness to come talk to me. Give them the courage and the boldness to surrender their life to you and let you have control. God, we love you. You are good. You are all-powerful. You are worthy of all our worship, and so we give it to you now.